Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I have had dates where I was asked for money. I've had fake catfishing going on. Like I had fake guy pretending to be Gabriel Byrne online, and I'm supposed to think, yeah, right. This week on Opening Up, we chat to novelist Claudia Carroll, who you'll know from Fair City. She talks about the nightmares of online dating and life as an author. The beautiful Claudia Carroll, who we know from Fair City for many a year, is with me on Opening Up to talk about her brand new book, The Love Algorithm, which I've got a few chapters in. I read about a couple of pages tonight because I'm so tired to go to bed. But it's absolutely brilliant. It's doing so well already, Claudia. Oh, God. Well, Siobhan, you know, I wish they were all like you. Um, it's really nerve wracking. When The book is, it only came out uh, about 10, not about eight days ago. So right. it's a bit like for me, it's just that weird thing of surrender and control because you work so hard on a book. Like it's a year. Um, it's about sort of, you know, between drafting, editing, re-editing, all of that, you know yourself. Um, and then the book, the book tour. And um, thank you very much for our lovely book interview that we did about a few weeks yeah. ago. But then the book goes out onto the shelves and into the big bad world. And you don't know. Like it's that thing of, it's like being in a play, an actor in a play. I would yeah. like that to. You haven't a clue or a, an actor in a movie. You don't know. Is this a hit or a miss or will it tank? I mean, you just, you've no control. So I just have to hope for the best and chatting to lovely people like you about it and uh, the world of online dating. Oh my God. How long have we got? Um, But look, thank you. So far, so good. And I'm just so grateful to be here to chat. Well, you know, I mean, the world of online dating, I met my partner before online dating was kind of going strong. And I suppose I just come out of a breakup and you know, all of my friends were saying, got to get on the online dating. Um, and back then, probably Tinder wasn't even around. And my actual sister met her husband on Tinder. So it can work for some people. But I'm curious to know your experiences, the funny ones, the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, there have God. been many, Claudia. I have had so many. And I'll tell you, you know, in lockdown, I call this book The Love Algorithm, My Little Lockdown Baby, because in lockdown, you know what it was like. And um, we couldn't even meet our families. Like you couldn't meet parents, you couldn't meet brothers and sisters, siblings, never mind anything romantic. So what did we do? We all went online. Like it was a godsend because what other choice did we have? And even if you were going on a date, like a date meant a socially distant coffee from a takeout coffee vendor at two meters with your coffee cup with a mask. You know, that was what we had. And we were grateful for it. Like we were grateful just to not be getting sick. But um, uh, so I got to test out all the online dating sites, every single one of them. And it just, now you, having said that, like stories like yours, like people who've met online and married partners they met on Tinder, isn't that fabulous? And like yourself uh, with your sister and me and my own circle of friends, I've been at weddings where the couple would 
happily say in a million years we would never have met in all three dimensions in the real world because our working lives are so different we're from completely different um walks of life so mm. online it's just been a godsend and it also online casts the net wider like it, you're meeting people from overseas who maybe you mightn't have considered before or from not just dublin which is where i live you're meeting people from all over the country or maybe the north or um, and it just opens you out mentally to meeting other people. But yeah, I had a few tulips there along the way. Oh, listen, Siobhan, <laughs> I, t- uh, dates where I was asked for money. Yeah, asked for money from people who were very, very nice, who, you know, lovely people um, on a first date. And I thought, what? Um, I've had fake um, catfishing going on. Like I had fake guy pretending to be Gabriel Byrne online. And I'm supposed to think, yeah, right. Like Gabriel Byrne. And the irony, the irony is you're an actor. So of course, you're probably going to even frequent you know, cross the same paths as Gabriel Byrne. He's a big movie star and he lives in the States. But just there's that kind of, I immediately dismissed that. And then I thought, Actually, there's that kind of 0.00001% chance. Could it be true? Because at the time, Gabriel Byrne, happily married man, the last place he's going to be is on online looking for a partner. But at the time, he was doing a show in the Gaiety, which I had seen, fantastic show. And you think, Jesus, I wonder. So this is how the catfish gets you. This is how they look you in because you think, oh, God, he is in Ireland. Now, not for a second was it Gabriel Byrne, who is based in the US and who is very happily married. Um, But you just think this is how they trade on your your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities. This is how Mm. they Oh, this catfish fakes all over the place. But being asked for money now was a kind of big one for me. And then. You know, I think as well, this is fascinating because this reminds us of the Tinder swindler. So can you just open up a little bit about how this date kind of manifested where you were literally, your your jaw was dropping because he was, it was, it was the first meeting, right? The first meeting. Well, this is what happened. I met a fella on, no, it wasn't on Tinder. It was on one of these premium sites that you pay to join. So like you think, a bit like Iris, my character, my central character in the love algorithm. And I'll come back to a story there that, oh, geez, real life trumping fiction. Um, but, you know, for a first date, this particular guy was on a premium side because he think that's going to eliminate messers. Mm. Or so I thought. So he suggested we were getting on very, very well. And he suggested a coffee. So coffee for, you know, single woman, you think, OK, yeah, that's great. That's safe, you know, and it's half hour 45 minutes and it's perfectly acceptable for either party of to the date to say after a finite length of time you know what it was really nice to chat to you but i have to go now so and that's fair that's you accept that you know and you can do it he can do it that's part of the deal but this particular guy we were getting on really well he was a teacher in a school in dublin and um that was all fine and one you know when we were messaging at that point he told me he had never married like myself but that he had been a very long-standing relationship with an american woman mm-hmm. when they broke up he relo- she relocated back to seattle with their daughter who's now uh, 12, 13, so confirmation age. And he was chatting to me about the confirmation and he was saying, oh, you know, it's so exciting for her and I, I, I'm trying to get over to Seattle. And I was saying, oh my God, like, there's no 
try to about it. You have to go. It's your little girl. Like she's making her confirmation. And I was saying, it'll just mean so much to her to see mum and dad together. And mum and dad mightn't be together, but we're a family. And he kept coming back to money. He kept saying, yeah, well, you know, it's two flights. Not cheap, not cheap. And I was going, where is this going? Everything kept coming back to money. And accommodation in Seattle. Oh, it's a fortune. You want to see the hotel prices. And I was thinking, yeah, but like, you've got a job. Like, what are you saying this to me for? Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> why is this recurring theme? And he, he, he hit it. He just said, um, he went for it. He just said, look, I know you're going to do that, but if you could see your way towards just lending me, just, you know, few hundred and you know I pay back obviously every penny would be repaid and I went do you know what it was so nice to meet you I wish you the best of luck I wish you safe travels to Seattle but I just remembered I have to go and I didn't have to go at all but I got out of there but you know it was only later Siobhan I thought I'm one of how many women was he meeting that day mm. that week that mm. month he could have made a nice few quid for himself, softer hearted people than me who might go, oh, God, you know, like his little girl and she wants her dad at her confirmation. And look, there's a few quid and give it back to me when you're home. And that's how these people trade. So isn't that, isn't that like I friend, I don't know about you, but I friends 30 years. I wouldn't ask them for money, would you? No, no, absolutely. No. No and I suppose the vulnerability and the fact, you know, they're preying on women, men like him are actually preying on your side that's softer, meeting you for the coffee so it's not intimidating like a pub. Very clever, very, very contrived, very, very conniving. Very conniving and buttering you up. But you think that was just one example. And you you go online, a, a show, a TV show like Tinder, the Tinder Swindler is obviously dramatized, but I can see how it's based in such reality. And the Tinder Swindler has happened. And the story it's based on is, yeah, this guy took, you can see how they go for big money and go for thousands. And it's just all I would say to anyone my age, and I'm in my 50s, dating out there and kind of maybe dipping a toe into the online dating pool. If they ask for money on a first date, get out. Yeah. Just get out. Just just Absolutely. very politely leave and wish them well. And, yeah. you know, not a good idea. Not it's a good look. just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, you couldn't even, as you said, it's art, it's, it's life imitating <laughs> art, really. And right out of it, Jamal. Yeah. The idea is for your book. Uh, you know, you've done so much research into it. So when you're researching for the love, love algorithm and going online and doing the dating yourself, were you actually looking for love also as yeah. you were researching? Yeah, there is an element. You know, there is an element where you think, OK, it's all research. Nora Ephron, the late great Nora Ephron, she said it's all copy. Everything is copy. And her attitude to life was no matter what horrible things happen, you and she'd been through a lot when it comes to relationships. Oh, a lot. Um, she said, it's all copy. It's all usable. Now, having said that, I have met online dates, lovely people, lovely, gorgeous fellows that maybe didn't want to be in a relationship with me, which is, you know, not a hanging offence, which is all fair, all fair and nothing more. But they would say the first thing they'd say to me is, now, hang on, you know, I've agreed to meet you. Am I going to read about this in a book? And I have to go, no, 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 honestly. And I always change facts and figures and obviously names. And, you know, but there is a, a kernel of truth in stories 
but you change everything so you don't get in trouble. But the very first chapter, oh, I have to tell you this, Siobhan. Go on. This is just to do with the online dating. The very first chapter of um, the love algorithm is based on a story I heard Oh my God, about a, a very successful woman in her 40s who met a guy online on a premium, again, a premium site that you pay a fee to, thinking eliminates the Egypts. Are the fee, is the fee much on these it sites? It depends on the site. It depends. It can be. I mean, if you go to a dating agency, like the actual matchmaking agencies, which I have approached as well, it can be four figures. It can be, what? that would be quite high. But in return for that, they hold your hand. It's ah. they they vet him. They vet you. You have very exhaustive chats beforehand, and they make sure you're safe. The first meeting will always be somewhere at halfway point between both both meeting houses. So, and they do. They eliminate a lot of messers, and they protect you. There's a lot of protection there. They can start at, at four figures. They can go down, obviously, to. Uh, I, I know I came across one that would be about 700. Okay. And, yeah, they were lovely, this particular agency. They were so nice. And there were the people who were running it met me and we had a chat and they were very honest. And I respected the honesty. They said to me, look, you know, they said at your hour of life, at my age, they said, the fact is, they said, look, we can take your money and we can promise you we're going to match you up with this guy and you're going to meet the man of your dreams. But they said, the fact is, a fellow my age, um, and I wouldn't be particularly looking for younger because who younger is going to go for me? But they said anyone. Well, I would say that. I think loads oh. of guys look for slightly more mature. Well, well no. I keep looking, and I will take your word, and I will keep positive. But they, would you be going for a younger guy or, or the same age? No, I wouldn't. I like people who've got the same life wisdom experiences, and I just think I've more in common with someone my own age. And, and older. But this particular agency said, look, the fact is anyone my age in their 50s, the last thing they want is a woman in their 50s. They want someone in their 30s. They want someone young. They want someone like you. And that's, you know, they're in the buyer's market. And that is the reality. So you're saying that the guys want younger women? Oh, yeah. The guys my age want younger and they can get younger, Siobhan. They Are you can serious? Get oh, yeah. So well, it's when you think of the sugar daddies with all the money, but you don't think of you know, people like of our caliber. You know, certainly of my age would have their own financial independence and would have been working all their lives. And so the money thing wouldn't really be a factor, but it's just age-wise, I personally feel I would have more in common with someone that has the same references as me, that, you know, maybe grew up in the 80s and can remember the same things that I can, can remember pre-digital age. But look, can I tell you the story about what inspired yeah, them. I do, do. So this novel was born out of encounters that went terribly wrong or funny encounters, essentially. That's where the drama is. Because when everything goes smoothly and according to plan, and if you meet your true love on the first time you go on an online dating site, where's the novel? Where's the story? Where's the drama? You know, the essence of drama is things going arseways. <laughs> so anyway, this story that I heard, that it just inspired me, horrified me and inspired me. Woman goes, meets a fella online and he's lovely. He's really, really lovely. And instead of meeting for a suggested meeting for coffee, he now all at his instigation suggests a very swish, posh, well-known Dublin sushi restaurant. And mm-hmm. um, it's very, very posh. That's kind of like what I would call a roundy birthday restaurant. Uh, you know, expensive. The cheapest bottle of wine would be like 80 euros plus. Oh. So she's thinking, Wow, I think this fella might actually like me because 
you know, dinner, like dinner is a big commitment time wise and they meet and he's lovely and they're getting on very, very well. And she's thinking, oh my God, like he's ticking a lot of the boxes. This is so far, we're off to a great start here. And he orders, is ordering, and he's ordering a lot of meat, tapas dishes, beef, chicken, duck, pork, and she's vegetarian. But she kind of forgives, she's nibbling on the only vegetarian offer offering the have, which is like basically a bit of risotto. And she's thinking, okay, we'll forgive this. Maybe he, he just disremembers from my profile that I'm vegetarian. And he orders a quite pricey bottle of wine and she's driving. So she's on the tap water. And she's thinking at the back of her mind, they're getting on, they're having a laugh. And she's thinking at the back of her mind, hmm, the bill is going to be great crack. And he's ordering, ordering, ordering. And anyway, the meal is cleared away and she's like, basically still hungry but he excuses himself gets up to says i'll be back in a moment and she does what we all do when we're left alone at a table for two she goes on the phone and she's mm-hmm. messaging the friends and going yeah you know seems okay so far so good not an ex-murderer all good and time passes and time continues to pass and the waiter comes over to her and says madam i'm terribly sorry but you know when we were booking we agreed we need the table back by a certain time and she goes, oh, right, okay. And he's gone quite a bit now. And she says, uh, the gentleman that I was with, um, would you mind checking? Is he maybe in the bathroom, maybe in the men's room? So the waiter disappears off and she's, alarm bells are ringing. And he, the waiter comes back and says, no, no, not there, not there. So she goes, oh, okay, goes out onto the street, looks to, just in case he's on a sneaky, you know, an emergency yeah. phone call maybe, or maybe, um, I don't know, he's having a sneaky cigarette and so she kind of staggers back to the table with her head held high and the bill is sent to her and the bill is extortion. Like, And she's starving. She has barely eaten. And she thinks, well, what am I going to do? I can't not pay because it's not the restaurant's fault. It's not the waiter's fault. So she has to put a card down and suck it up. And she gets onto oh. his she's messaging, his mobile, she's messaging. Her number is blocked. The call's not being returned, blocked. And she gets onto the website where they met, the age, the dating site, and he's deleted his profile in that length of time. So I thought that is, I think that's the worst story I ever heard. I think that like is horrific. Theft, larceny. But clearly the, the guy involved, he was, he was getting more out of that, you know, than a free meal. Oh, was, the, yeah, was it wasn't about the meal, obviously. Vengeance, vengeance issue, control issue, getting at her. Like, you wouldn't just do that. It's an awful lot of trouble to go to for a free dinner. Oh, my God. So it inspired the love algorithm because I thought, supposing this happens to a character who does coding in her sleep. She And she thinks, you know what, it's algorithms sending me these lazy these lazy algorithms sending me these Egypts and thieves, basically. So she thinks... I can do better myself. And you know what? I'm going to do better because I certainly can't do worse. So she gets out of there and she goes home and she thinks, I'm going to set up a dating site. And it might fail. It might fall flat on its face, but it certainly couldn't be worse than what's available at the moment. And she does. And she needs dating guinea pigs, if you like, from all walks of life, from the Generation Z end of the market, which is like the 20-somethings, kind of, you know, college age, very young and um, just out of college, maybe the generation born with mobiles in their hands that are, you know, kind of on apps all the time. And then she needs what we call silver surfers online on these sites, which is, you know, 70 plus, 75 plus, And they've maybe been widowed or maybe divorced or separated. And they're 
looking to dip their toe into the pond and are a little bit wary, maybe. So she gets two dating guinea pigs from both extreme ends of the age spectrum. And she launches her dating website, which is called Analyzed, which is about almost you have to answer like about 40 questions before you can even be eligible to join her site. And it, it's almost like a Freudian or, or Proustian analysis, character analysis. So who you're being matched up with, you're she's pretty certain you're like about 90 percent compatible before you even meet. And we go from there. And I'm not telling you anymore. And it sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm dying to finish it. It'll probably take me about three months because I'm so slow. I'm going away next week. I'm going away next week. Oh, and just to Connemara, but I haven't had a break all year. So maybe if my mom and dad take the kids, I can actually read for a while because I know most parents oh. have your book on their um, shelf, dying to get a you know a look in. Okay, but, can I just give you a compliment? Because I've done so many interviews for so many books. Like this is my 18th. And you read, you read the books like you care. You see, the first time you see book, oh my God, I read it. And you would be amazed the number of people who don't. And I get it because they don't have time. And, you know, people in your position, you're being sent books all the time from authors, nonfiction, all walks of all types of genres, thrillers, crime, everything, biography. So a huge big thank you because it just from the bottom of my heart and I'm going to be saying to my author pals talk to Siobhan oh, thank you <laughs> we're all like you I'd have no bother I love I love your I love your positivity are you have you always been this positive now we're, we're into the this is the 19th novel right because everywhere it's saying 18 love algorithm is book 18 yeah. it is book 18 right so the positivity you have in your life have you always been this positive is there some way you, is there something you do in your daily life to keep you so up? Uh, well, you know, I, you know, I'm not Pollyanna, of course, like we all get down, like we all do, but I'm just, uh, what would you say? I'm very, if it doesn't sound annoying and, you know, nails going down a blackboard, annoying, or oh, it's so cliched at this stage, but I'm just very grateful for what I have. I'm very grateful for my mum and for her health and I'm very grateful for my own health. And I'm just very, I think anyone in, in my profession, because I, I do acting as well. And um, I, I'm just, the work can be sporadic. And I'm just so grateful with books that hopefully readers enjoy them and connect with them and might actually the next one. And there's a huge amount of gratitude comes with that because it's a big thing. It's a big thing when a book goes on a shelf. I'm not oh. a parent. Are they like, your, when you're, you're talking about parenthood there and you, you mentioned earlier on the love algorithm is like, you know, my baby. In a way, you, yeah. you chose not to have kids, but did you choose it? But are are your books like your little babies? That's exactly it. Yeah, but and it's like they go out into the world, and it's like having a kid. You just you don't know. There's so many unknown factors. A pal of mine is two small kids, like yourself said. It, there's so much to worry about. You might as well not worry about anything because if you're going to worry about this one thing, what about the four million trillion others? So. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, in a very roundabout way to answer your question about mental positivity, of course, we all have down days, particularly the lockdown. I think that was very hard on a lot of single people. Yeah, was it hard on you, Claudia, or were you focusing on your writing? The blessing for me was that my, my mum had just moved in with me. My dad passed away before COVID. And I was very grateful because, well, I was, you know, I was grateful because obviously I miss him every day as his mum. But I was grateful because he got the traditional Irish funeral, you know, the Irish way, the Irish send off. And the worst thing about COVID for me was seeing pals my age who lost parents and loved ones. 
who had to watch a, a really dear friend of mine had to watch his father's funeral from London via Zoom. And he said he had to watch the back of his mother's head in this little tiny church with, you know, social distancing and with whatever the requirements were, the regulations. I think you were out maybe 12 people at a funeral. And he had to watch his his nieces, nephews, siblings and the back of his mother's head and his dad's coffin from London. And the funeral was happening here. And then we read, I won't get into politics, but then we read about certain politicians in Downing Street having parties uh, or golf gate that went on here. And you just get so angry. I think people didn't go to parents' funerals because we were being good good little children. Down the line, I think the mental health problems off the back of COVID is are going to yeah. be. Maybe that's your next book. How to cope? Do you know something, Sean? Does anybody want to read about lockdown? No, that's another thing. You there, was want, of, there was a couple of shows about them, all right, that I that I that I watched, but you know, you kind of want to forget. We're through it and we're healthy. Thank God. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, getting back to Fair City. Um, oh, yeah, my God. We, we have to talk about, about that. So how long are you on screen? It's nearly two decades with Nicola. Well, I, do you know something? I'll give you a laugh. I came onto the show. I like to say I came in for a week and I stayed for 20 plus years. I've lost count. But I officially, so the, the producer came to me in like, I think it was two, 1994. 90, no, actually it was early. It was 92, 93. And uh, pre-digital age, so anybody listening to this will go, God, so old, like that's like dinosaur era. And he said, look, we've got this character coming in. She's a bit of a bitch. She's a bit of a wagon. And it's just to get, she's going to be a love interest for Paul for a week. That's it. And he's going to get together with this wonderful character called Helen, played by an actress called Kira Carroll. And this urban rumor went around that Kira Carroll and I were actually sisters. We're not. I wish we were because she's such a dote. But anyway, so I said, yeah, great, a week. So I came in for a week and 20, 20 plus years later, I'm still there because Nicola officially left around 20, 2008, but went to Cork, Cork in the storyline. And I still, every now and then come back up. The way I describe it is Nicola comes back up um, flies up on her broomstick, a bit like Elphaba in Wicked, you know, the musical Wicked? Yes. With all the green face paint. It stirs the cauldron, cackles, stirs up the horse manure. And you can say anything you like. <laughs> flies back to Cork uh, and leaves poor Paul soon. And generally when Paul is in romantic trouble, because I always say Paul was the big love of Nicola's life. And that's mm-hmm. her problem her Achilles heel because sadly she was very 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 far from being the love of his life but she kind of still holds out hope um so no matter what that character did or her son Oshin who's the cut of his mother and his father um uh, who's a bad un uh no matter what either of them did she they she loves them and she would die for them and if they said to her okay I've committed a murder and the body's out the back garden she'd say right you get a shovel I'll get a shovel, we'll dig, and we will never speak of this again. And she would perjure herself in court for them. And she would say, no, they were with me all that night. How dare you accuse them of murder? Absolute nonsense, they were with me. She would perjure herself. She'd go to jail for them. She'd die for them. And that's the character's strength uh, and also weakness, you know. So it's, yeah. I think nobody's born bitchy, Siobhan. No. Trish Scanlon always says that with a character, any character in a novel or with a soap opera like Fair City, Nobody's born a bitch. No, I, I always want to know as an actor with Nicola, what made her like that? What in life? And I think it's just that she loves Paul so much. 
and she would die for him and she knows that he doesn't love her. She knows that it's never going to be the same. And it's just I mean, a quite a thing. A bit like the online dating. There's a lot of there you go. Love rats yes, out there. There is, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'll keep at it and I will keep Pollyanna positive. And I hope that one day I will be back on your podcast and you will say, I believe you met somebody and you're getting married and you met online. And I'll go, it started on your show, Siobhan. We'll put it out there. So yes. that's what I was, that was, was my next, that was my next question. I'm curious to know after your foray of online dating, are you still hopeful that the one is out oh, yeah. there? Oh, yeah. Because do you know what I find now? And this gives me great hope. And I didn't see this before. This is a new development. 50s, as I said, my hour. There's a lot of fellas. I, I'm a straight woman cisgender identifies as straight and I'm looking for a fella. Oh, because you were telling me before that there was some somebody who pretended to be oh, a was, guy. Yeah, I had a fella, what I thought was a fella online, pretended to be a, a pilot and turned out to be a woman. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I wish I was, if I identified as gay um, or bisexual, I'd be laughing because there's so many fantastic women, but it's just, uh, sadly, I'm straight and I just want to be Well, look, you are what you are. So go on, so you were it's telling me the 50s, yeah. There's a new demographic that I'm starting to notice, which is fellas my age and older who are out of divorces, newly separated. And they're kind of dipping their toe in the pond with caution. And, you know, kids, maybe kids, grown-up kids, maybe. And I've always thought, God, I'd love to be a stepmother. I think you'd be amazing. Do you know why I think you'd be an amazing stepmom? You've such amazing energy and what you could bring to a family. But I'd love it. But anyway, so a new demographic. And they're kind of discovering, it's like they're discovering a hidden superpower. Oh, my God, there's actually women out there. And we are the ones in the smaller market. They Because... Fellas, a dating website told me, an agency told me this. Fellas my age outnumber women my age. The ratio is eight to two. Eight I don't to believe two. it because I thought eight women my age out there is two fellas and they want younger. But you know, we'll keep, we'll keep persevering. Say that again, Nicholas. So uh, eight to two is the, the ratio. So I just oh, said Nicola, Claudia. Oh, no. well used to it. Well used to it. Does that happen a lot, by the way? Do people call your yeah. character sometimes? Yeah, it still happens. But like, I answer to Nicola. It's like my second name. You know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. no. I, you know, if, if you go Nicola, I'll go, yeah, be there in a sec. You know, just automatic. <laughs> but uh, it's my, my alter ego. Uh, but anyway, so sorry, just to say eight to two is the mathematical ratio of the number of men my age would be two to every eight women my age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can so, I also ask you, I'm curious to know as well, um, I have a friend who's similar age to you and she said that she really knows herself now. So it's almost a little bit tough to meet somebody because she feels she's quite fussy now and she knows herself, which that's I amazing. think is amazing because yeah. my first separation when I was married before, I didn't know myself and that's why I got married. So it was the wrong marriage to be in. So when you're older and you gain wisdom and maturity, you actually yeah. know your own mind. That is very true. That's a very good point, actually. That's, that is a very good point because, and also you're quite happy on your own. I had this conversation only last night. We were just saying, like, as you get older, you, I'm very in the very lucky position of having my own home. I am aware that that makes me an extremely lucky person. I'm very grateful for that. Not everyone does, but you think life's pretty comfortable. You know, he like even if I live out the rest of my days single, 
it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I've great pals, but I just think I know myself. It's a personal thing. It's very everybody's different. But I, I feel my life would be enhanced if I had somebody to go to the movies with, somebody to have dinner with, somebody to meet for lunches and dinners, somebody to pick up the phone to and have a chat with at the end of the day, somebody to have a glass of wine with at the end of the day, somebody to go, I had a shit day. How was your day? Oh, my day was terrible too. Oh, you go first. Tell me. And they pick you back up. And there is that element because it changes as you age. In your 20s, you want love, passion, fireworks, romance, children in your 30s, maybe still 40s, still, you know, open for fertility, for having kids. But as you get older, it does shift. And then to the silver surfers, the 70, 80 plus, in some cases with my research, I discovered 80 plus people dating happily. Great, having a great time. Um, Who they just want a friend, another friend who's a nice gentleman. Oh, it's so lovely. And I think with children, with the relationships, like, you know, that the fact that you don't have any and that if you're meeting somebody, as much as I adore my children, they can sometimes be little fire, fiery, little, little head wreckers in your actual relationship. Because, you know, then you, you have to control that as well. So if you were actually meeting a guy who would say older kids, you'd be really just having a ball together, doing the nice bits. Like I adore date night with my, with my partner, oh, but like that's I'm the sort of luxury. Date night. Oh, so I know. Concerned. And you have to, you it's have to. With a young family. Yeah, with a young family. Yeah. very young, aren't they? They're six and four. Really young. No, a date night's important. You know, it's, that's great. You've got, I know by even chatting to you, never having met your partner, I know that you've got a really healthy, great relationship. Oh, he's fantastic. But did you ever... Did you ever think about children that you might do it alone or did you ever want them? Not for me. I have seven godchildren and they fulfill that need. And um, no, I'm just, no, it was because, you know, with now you don't have to have a partner to have a child. You know, there's so many options open to us that weren't there 50 years ago. There's so many options and you can foster, you can, I mean, there's so many options now. If you decide I really desperately want to have a baby and plenty of people do, plenty of people do. And that's fabulous. Um, But just, it was never one for me. It was never on the part. I never was really happy with my godchildren, but I would love to be a stepmother. That would be so amazing. Yeah. I love it. And the book is flying off the shelves. But before, I know you've got to run because you're such a devoted daughter. You're bringing your mommy uh, for an appointment. I know you're rushing. Yeah. So no, I listen, just... Come on. Do you know something? You have that great gift as a journalist and as a broadcaster, because um, you are a broadcaster too. Oh, you make me forget. The only other broadcaster I met who's like you is Miriam O'Callaghan. Oh. She's the only one. You make me forget that there's actually microphones and cameras and recordings you make me forget and you make me as the interviewee feel like I'm just having a natter with the pal. Oh. The only other person who has made me feel like that is Miriam McCallaghan. I love her. How is she such a superwoman? Like Thank what you know. is her, has she ever told you her secret? Like, <laughs> And she's the loveliest woman you will ever meet, like yourself. She's just, so. she's completely fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, that's made my day, Claudia. You've made my day. Um, but I do this funny little quick round of, of oh, quick yes, episodes, so. which kind of delve into a little bit of psychology. You don't have to think. Yeah. So don't, even, don't even think, but don't even worry if you don't want to answer them. So Claudia Carroll, um, who's on her 18th fabulous novel, The Love Algorithm. And she's also known on Fair City as playing the wonderful Nicola, who has her moments. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's your favourite word? 
nice. Mm. What's your least favorite word? Pass. What turns you on? Heat. Oh, same here, actually. I love heat. I love heat. I love it. I, I'd rather be in heat than cold. Pass. And what's my least favorite word? It's just that I need to think about it. Can we come back to that one? We can come back to that one. Okay. Uh, what turns? Oh, you I know. I know. I just. I just know. Uh, my least favorite word is mean. 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 Yeah. Mean. mean. I think if somebody called me mean, that would be worse mean. than mean girls. Mean. Mean yeah. people who are mean with money. I find. Oh. Um, it's a symptom. People who are mean with money, and thankfully, I know none of them. But people who are, it's a symptom. They're mean emotionally. They're mean spiritually. They're mean across the board. That is so true. And mean as well for me, people who are tight with money and mean with money. I suppose tight is different than mean because people who have money and, you know, necessarily can can give it away. But it just shows that they're holding on to everything. So you have to let everything go in order to get what you need a certain amount. Like I'm a total hippie. Oh, come here. I never told you I did naked yoga the other day. That's another story for another day. Ring me later. Because you're stripped off of everything, including your, if you strip yourself off of everything, you've nothing left to worry about. (laughs) Um, What sound or noise do you love? The sound of a cork, a wine bottle being uncorked, but it has to be on a weekend night with a really dear friend or with my mum. When you're completely relaxed and you've got no have-tos in in your calendar. You know that popping noise that it makes when you pull out the cork? That's my favourite sound. Beautiful, beautiful. And what sound or noise do you not like? Do you hate? The sound of uh, my phone ringing. I hate the sound of the phone ringing. I'm always so relieved when you hear, we all have the same ringtone now, the old-fashioned ringtone. And I'm always so relieved when it's... A call not for me when it's somebody else's phone. I hate that sound. Turn it on silent. Oh, they then ring them back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite curse word? I doubt you curse at all, Claudia. I do. Um, they vary. I, I, I like a lot of Dubliners. I tend to use the F word for breakfast. Uh, actually, gobshite. Gobshite's a great <laughs> word. It's a really Irish word, but gobshite's a great one. I love that word. That is amazing. Um, actually, I interviewed P- uh, Marco Pierre White there the other day and he said he oh. loved the way Irish people curse. He says they do it so well. And I said, well, I heard before that it was mentioned a lack of vocabulary. And he said, no, no, no. It's It can finesse in quite a good way with a set, within a sentence if it's done by the wow. Irish. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, we're nearly there. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Now you've done airline a lot. Pilot. I know immediately airline pilot. That's my fantasy profession. What? I would, if I wasn't doing that, please don't laugh. I've done flying lessons and everything. This is like the naked yoga story. This is for another podcast. I've done flying lessons. That is my passion. They're really expensive. I've only done a few. You have to really, really, really save. It's like a birthday present you give yourself or a Christmas present. But if I was not doing what I do. My fantasy career is airline pilot. I just really would love to be an airline pilot. Love flying. You might have been one in another life. But you know, even people at, you know, on a Ryanair flight and you're queuing and you, 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 it's stressful and you have to, even airport security and you have to take get, get it undressed and there's delays and you take off your shoes and your belt. I'm just, the airport is my happy place. Wow. I'm really, find them, very I find them so hot and... That's because you have two small kids. Oh, 
That's right, because when I used to be oh, alone, oh, I could oh, read. I love it. Oh my God, I love it. What profession would you not like to do? Anything that involved an office. Not me. Not me. And I think a lot of offices are going. Not me. Yeah, they are now. Hybrids. Hybrid working. But I couldn't, if I had to work, and I did, you know, I, I used to work in call centres. Oh, did you? The office. I just hated that thing of clock in, clock out. It just really got me down. And just finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I loved your last book. <laughs> on that note, Claudia Carroll, thank you so much for joining us on Opening Up and I shall see you the next time. Thank you so much, Siobhan. And can I just say, talking to you has just been an inspiration to me. And one day I hope I will come back so I can hear the naked yoga story. <laughs> thank you so much to Claudia Carroll. If you liked the podcast, do subscribe to Opening Up wherever you get your pods. Next week, we chat to psychotherapist and burnout solution coach Siobhan Murray.